Chapter 35 The Explosion We crossed the Macedonian border without incident and walked towards Struga, the nearest border town, 13 kilometers away. The mountains descended into lush farmland that stretched towards our destination. We had learned that a sizable Albanian population lived in Macedonia, especially near the border, and so we decided to keep our Albanian signs. Our trajectory through Macedonia into Greece was a short 100 kilometers, and we agreed that it wasn't worth the effort translating our signs. As we neared the city, Alberto and I started receiving signs in rapid succession to stop. Moments later, a taxi pulled up beside us, and a man stepped out. Hey, do you guys speak English? he asked. He was attractive and looked to be in his 40s with short, dark, combed back hair, a goatee, and a clear American accent. Yeah, I answered in surprise. Well, that's great, he replied. Let me buy you guys a drink. Come on, I'm Robert. We followed Robert to an outdoor patio where we ordered our drinks. We learned that he was an Albanian-born American who was in town for the summer with his wife visiting friends and family. He was an outgoing, gregarious man who everyone seemed to know. It was a light, superficial chat, one that made the hot, lazy afternoon pass easily into evening. Robert invited us to stay at his home, which we gratefully accepted, and where we met his wife, Denise an American-born Albanian, and several other family members. We joined our engaging hosts for a stroll through the quaint downtown area, slowly making our way to the restaurant, where even more family members awaited us. Dinner was a raucous affair, with people talking over each other and laughing. Food and wine flowed freely. Most of the conversation was in Albanian, but I sat beside Denise and spoke in English. Alberto ended up in one corner of the long table, while Robert sat at its head. In the beginning, I translated some of what was happening to Alberto. But as the evening wore on, I tired of it and spoke with Denise and Robert directly. Alberto sat quietly in the corner the whole evening, trying to follow the rapid-fire conversation. They asked about our walk, and I answered the questions lightly, superficially avoiding any deep discussions. Whenever Alberto tried to interject or offer an opinion, I downplayed his response or rephrased it into something superfluous. His gaze became increasingly harder, warning me to stop. But I didn't. I was having a good time, speaking in my own language about trivial things for a change, the things that ordinary people speak about, such as their lives, their families, their work, I wanted to be in that world, and for one night, far away from the world that I was living. With all of your stories, Denise enthused at one point, you could probably write a book at the end of all of this. Oh, I wouldn't have much to write about, really, I replied casually, just meeting different people and having different conversations. No, that's not true, interjected Alberto softly ice dripping from his every word. Although Moni doesn't want to admit it, our walk is also a spiritual journey. She's not talking about what we're really living, the miracles that we are experiencing every day. Those are the realities of our walk, 
because without them, we wouldn't be walking. I glared at Alberto, who glared right back. Denise cleared her throat and quickly changed the subject. Few words were spoken on the long walk back to the house. Alberto and I didn't even look at each other. When we arrived, I said my goodnights to everyone and hurried to my room, where I collapsed into bed, drunk and dreading the argument that I knew was coming the next morning. The following day, we said our goodbyes to our hosts and began the hot day's walk to Ohrid. A surprising peace reigned between Alberto and I, which I hoped eliminated the need for an argument. Entering the city, we were delighted to find a campsite on a large lake and that rented trailer homes. The trailer that we rented was cramped, but clean, with two rooms separated by a sliding door. The grounds had common shower facilities with hot water and a shared kitchen. For six euros, it was a great deal. Alberto and I sat at one of the park benches after cleaning up, overlooking the lake and enjoying the scenery. Alberto pointed to a cloud formation over the lake and with his finger traced out a mushroom cloud, the kind that appears after a nuclear explosion. Then he traced out a dragon that was laughing and pointing at the explosion. And finally, two large eyes that seemed to be observing the whole scene. It was easy to see once he pointed it all out. Something big is going to happen, he said. Something important, something that will empower the dragon of fear. But behind it is the hand of God. He's watching what's happening. It's all in his plans. Alberto went for a stroll, while I stayed behind enjoying the serenity of our setting. The prophetic clouds dissipated with the sunset, and the stars came out to share their splendor. By the time I returned to the trailer, I was feeling relaxed, at peace. The night was warm, and so I opened the small window, turned off the lights, took off my clothes, and slipped in under the sheets. I heard Alberto come in, go into his room, and close his door. I was drifting off to sleep when I heard our separating door slide open. I want to talk to you, he said. Tomorrow, I responded. No, he said, turning on the light. Now. I was acutely aware of the fact that I was naked under the sheets. I pulled the sheets up over my breasts and sat up in bed, hugging my knees. Alberto stood in the doorway, his face flushed and angry. I can't take this anymore, he exploded. Last night was the final straw. How can you possibly look at Denise and tell her you have nothing important to write about? How can you lie like that? I'm tired of all of your lies and half-truths. Now I understand many things, like why you wanted to start alone in Rome. You wanted to be able to brag that this was your walk and that you and you alone started it. You wanted to show the world how brave and fearless you are. But you don't fool me. You are nothing but a weak and insecure woman, desperate for approval and recognition. If you want to do this alone, fine. I will not be playing along any longer. His words felt like daggers. 
but I was not about to let him see that. Even after all this time, you still know nothing about me, I said, my voice frustratingly cracking despite my attempts to appear strong. If it's so hard walking with me, then go. I don't need you. I wanted to have this argument once and for all and be done with it. I didn't care if he left that instant. Do you have any idea what the past weeks have been like for me? I blurted, my words rushing out before I could censor them, my tears rolling down my cheeks. Do you think I would have suffered what I did for publicity, especially in Albania? Do you think I enjoyed not showering for days, eating the same food every day, sleeping on cold floors? Do you think I enjoy having pain in every part of my body? Alberto looked at me doubtfully, his face still hard. Maybe, he responded. It just makes you more appealing to the media. It makes for a better story. I would be terrified if any of them contacted me right now, I shot back. I wouldn't know what to say for fear that they would think we were freaks. If I had wanted the spotlight, I would have allowed a friend of mine to do press releases and invite the media to start with me in Rome, like he wanted to do. I obviously didn't do that because the walk was never about that for me. I suddenly felt overwhelmingly tired. I covered my face with my hands and began to weep, rocking my body back and forth. I'm tired of being stared at, I said. I'm tired of carrying this sign. I can't do it anymore. It's too much. I had a normal life. I had friends. I gave all of that up to do this. I feel stuck. I don't know if I can go forwards and I don't know if I can go back. Last night was just a chance for me to have some fun, to talk about silly things that have nothing to do with God, spirituality, and world peace. I just wanted to be my old self for a change. My head dropped between my knees and I wept for a long time, feeling a tremendous aching in my heart that no amount of tears seemed able to lift. My crying finally stopped and silence once again filled our trailer. All I could hear was the sound of the waves crashing against the shore. I am so sorry, Alberto finally said. I think I've been too hard on you and unfair in so many things. He came inside and sat on the edge of the bed. I lifted my head to look at him. His face was weary, his eyes soft. With his finger, he gently wiped away my tears. Can I hug you? He asked. Um, I said, smiling nervously, I'm, I'm naked under these sheets. Please, he said, reaching over and tightly embracing me. His hands were warm on my bare back. It felt good to be held, to be comforted. I buried my head in his shoulder and continued sobbing. He held me even tighter. Our masks were finally off, and the people that held each other that night were nothing more than two frightened and lonely human beings. I took a final, quivering breath and released him. He smiled faintly, then finally released me and stood. I need to go for a walk, he said. Good night. I heard his feet crunch on the sand until they faded. 
I dropped back into my bed and closed my eyes, exhaustion mercifully overtaking me before I could think about the impact of what had just happened.